friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my AI, question mark, and co-host, Alex Dandino. <laughs> oh, 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 no. I hope. <laughs> All right. Before we get to that, some quick business, guys. Please, right now, right this second, take a second. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app, guys. This is how we can defeat the algorithmic overlords uh, and bring some new people into the party, especially tonight. It's important we fight back against the algorithmic overlords. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, uh, obviously on YouTube. You can see video versions of this podcast and some other cool projects we're working on over there. So we appreciate that. Find us, follow us, subscribe to us, whatever, on all the social media you guys are on. We're there, too. We love interacting with you guys. Uh, we've had some new people flood in lately, which Hello. we appreciate. We're getting a lot of really good movie uh, requests, listener picks. Indeed. So we're going to start trying to slide those into the schedule um, as we move on. Uh, also, in that vein, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. That's another great way to get a hold of us. Let us know uh, if there's anything you want to hear on the show. New, old themes, double features. If you just want to you know, send your condolences to Alex as I crush him with my cool theories, whatever. You can do that, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Yeah, they probably don't feel bad for you. <laughs> all right i think they're listening it's the yet. month how dare you it's the month of a moor alex so enough of this bickering it's time to love uh but not other humans things we love things and other species interspecies Dude. erotica inhuman love uh month tonight we're back to the uh the techno romance right the romance of the future as it were tonight we're discussing ex machina Romance is a strong word for this movie, I'd say. Like, certainly the objectification of technology. <laughs> now, I knew this was going to fucking come up, because when we said, which of we these count is Robit? And I was like, Ghost is borderline, clearly, because he's kind of still the man, even when he's a ghost. But I'm like, whatever, it's ectoplasmic at that point. It's different. They're not potting each other anymore. So right, right. neither here nor there. This was the one I knew I was going to take a lot of flack for because, yes, I think there's a bit of this movie that's very cold and clinical, right? Everything's separated through glass. So the concept of this being a romance of sorts, I think, will rub people the wrong way. But I think I can make a pretty compelling case by the end that Caleb absolutely loves Ava. Now, does he love her for what? I don't. She is. Oh no, I don't disregard that at all. It's a pure infatuation, absolutely, without question. Yeah, I it's mean a, there there are there are rough rough currents in the uh, the undertow of this movie for sure. Do not do not let me disagree with you. I don't know why we're just doing that voice this early. Usually I say yeah, that. Wow, what's going on? Uh, but anyways, all right, Alex. Opening thoughts on Ex Machina. Oh, I love this movie, man. I mean, I think you'd be fine. Movie. You'd be pretty hard pressed to find someone who isn't interested in this movie. It's weird to me when people, I because I've read I read online because honestly, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. Maybe since the theater. No, we watched it once after yeah. that. I think I watched I watched it in the theater, and then I came home and we, Andrea and I watched it another time. But um, I read online like there was a lot of people who didn't like the fact that it was. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. Did not appreciate its intellectualism, um, which seems like a weird critique. But this is the thing okay. that I like about Alex Garland movies. Like in general, like from, I mean, it's an adaptation, but like The Beach to 20. He didn't write. He wrote the novel for The Beach, not the actual script. Sorry. But then you have 28 Days Later, Sunshine. <laughs> And this one and Annihilation, like I, I like the way Alex Garland writes movies because he, specifically because he does not speak down to the audience and doesn't and doesn't make the assumption that you're not going to understand everything. He just doesn't care. And I, I like that a lot because we talked about this before the show. We were sitting here like kind of just because usually give a little pre preamble and we're both like, I don't think I'm smart enough to talk about this movie. Like it's really well made and like. 
the right, let's, questions at let's stake are so... Let's nip this in the bud right now. Let's nip what? this in the bud right now. We're not smart enough to really tackle artificial intelligence. You listening to this pod, you're also not an artificial intelligence yes. scientist. Uh, Shitbag on Letterboxd who's like, mm, a bit pedestrian in kindergarten, right? You are Larry the Cable Guy compared to the people that actually do this stuff in real life. Let's, <laughs> yes. let's real bring science, it down a notch, right? Yes. So if we can bring it to the film alchemist level, yes, yeah. I really... <laughs> we're talking about the robot movie, okay? We're talking we about robots. We're talking about robots <laughs> and two guys watching robots. And, you know, it's cool. No, yeah. honestly, it's just a really fascinating movie about what it is that, to me, like, about possession... It's about what infatuation does. And then on top of that, what what the what not knowing. Like the definitive proof of your life. That I think is probably the thing that's most fascinating to me. I I didn't notice it last time, and I think this is the first this is the third time I've watched this movie, and I was entranced by Domino Gleason the entire movie. Much more so than I have been the previous times. So like Oscar Isaac's wildly entertaining, but he his story, right. his character arc is so fascinating to me. Well, because he comes in and he is he's our our bit into this world, right? This is a big, yeah. unusual world immediately. So everything we see is from because I love the line when he first gets there, right? We're just taken in by the magnitude of this whole thing, right? Right. Uh, but when Oscar Isaac kind of stops him, right? Nathan, I think his character name is. He's just yeah. like, I get it. You're freaked out right now. This is a big deal, right? I know who I am. Can we just get past that and be two human beings? And I was like, no, no one yeah, could. Like, obviously that's not, not possible, man. right? But that's the that's the the launch pad from which we are given our Dom Hall Gleason lens, right? And I agree because this you, I don't know that there's another real arc in the rest of the film, right? We can argue argue about Ava, but I feel like her and Nathan have already. This reminds me of that movie No Man's Land, right? Like, we're both in this trench. Are we going to kill yeah. each other because that's what we're supposed to do? Or do we just, like, coexist until maybe something breaks, right? Right. And that's kind of where they are in the film. The, the thing that struck me about this film today, right? Because I, I agree that the acting in this movie is just fucking superb. It's I, I found this to be one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years, 21 years we've had. Mm -hmm. I left the theater and was like immediately, when am I coming back to see this? I saw this a bunch of times in theater. Uh, this movie kind of just hits all of my my little thought centers I like, right? I actually have read a couple books on AI since this. Again, I'm not smart enough to understand any of these things. Right. I think artificial intelligence especially, it becomes this really fun place to have these other debates, right? Like you can transpose other kind of ethical and philosophical debates on that the ai framework really easy i think that's why it works so well in movies right for me though i think what i realized this time is how very little the artificial let alone the artificial intelligence matters at all in this film right this yes. plays because i don't know it's so weird because I, I i remembered it being more about the discovery of what this robot's capable of, right? The first time we see her, you're like, yeah, that thing passes the touring test, right? Like yeah. the very first scene that we're with Ava, me as the audience, you're done. So then I, I, I didn't really fully appreciate how well this movie is. We're doing a touring test on every character in this movie, human or artificial. Mm -hmm. And our conclusions, I think, are very wildly different than we would imagine by the end of the film. I guess. I mean, I've, I've always, I've, I don't think I've ever assumed anyone but Ava and Kyoko were spoilers, by the way. Uh, I've never assumed anyone but Ava and Kyoko were AIs, so to speak. Not necessarily AI, right? But I think by the end of the movie, and this gets back to the blurring of the reality, which they do so expertly in this film, is I think by the end of the movie is Nathan is the least human of all of them, right? So this, we're doing a touring test on Ava to see if she is worthy of being called human-like, right? And by the end of the movie, you're like, I don't know if Nathan really is. Caleb kind of has a screw missing. Like, you know what I mean? So the, the test becomes itself obsolete. Because that's the thing that I had forgotten, too. Because I'm watching the start of the movie, and I was like, 
he knows that she's artificial. How is this a Turing test, right? Um, and I love the way, and this is like the Alex Garland writing thing that gets me really, I, he's just really good at this kind of stuff, right? He brushes it away where Nathan's just like, oh, she would defeat you in like five seconds. Yeah. I have to show you that it's artificial and have you still come to the conclusion that it's not. That's the movie we're on. And that's way more fun. Right. And so I think that element of it, right. That's where, and again, we just bend all of these lines. So at the end, this, uh, we know it's fake. Is it human? We start transposing that onto every second of every scene. Yeah. Whether Ava's there or not. Well, I mean, I think that's, what's great about the movie is that it is a story. It, by the end, it becomes a movie of, is this real or not? That is honestly like the thing that's most shocking is like, cause by the end, you're kind of like, am I watching something that's happening? Cause I'll be honest, like this time I watched it, I'm like, I don't know because my wife and I were sitting there and like, we were watching this and I've always assumed both like the last two times I watched this movie, I've never not assumed that Domino Gleason's character dies from starvation. 100%. Or dehydration, whichever one comes first. Mm. Andrea vehemently, like when we start, like by the midpoint of the movie, she's like, how does this movie end again? And I was like, oh, well, it's this and this and this. She goes, okay. And then we got to the ending and she's like, well, he definitely, I'm sure he survived. And I'm like, no, he's cut off from the rest of the house. Like who the hell's going to like, <laughs> how would he have survived? And it was interesting to yeah. me though, that she's like, well, they leave it kind of open-ended for him. Like, I don't think they leave it open-ended at all. Like, she literally leaves the house. And well, there's... I, I have thoughts on the, the ending ending, too, that I want to kind of hold on. But Yeah, it, we'll, it we'll, get, a, we'll get to that. This, but. The, I think what Andrea stumbles across, though, is the most beautiful part of this movie, right? So the people you were saying, because one of the reviews I kept reading is they're like, it's all right. It's like a lesser Black Mirror episode. I was like, I think people forget this came out before Black Mirror. Before Black Mirror. Or at least yes. I remember seeing this before Black Mirror. Maybe. I think it, it for sure came out before. But anyways, chill out on abusing me if I'm wrong. But I remember this coming out first, right? And it definitely had more of an impact on me at the time than Black Mirror. And I, th I think what happens is people are just kind of obnoxious in that regard at times, right? Because this gets back to something I... I talked about with some of my friends, right? Like his po politics get really heated all the time. I go, let's not forget that none of us know what the fuck we're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Right. I'm like, no, no, no. You go to your show where they tell you what you want or your podcast. And he goes to his and you guys start yelling those back and forth. You're not listening. You're waiting to say your thing and respond. Oh, I know he says that I'm going to ping pong it back. And I heard someone, uh, I can't remember what it was on a, a philosophy thing I was listening to. And he said, the thing about politics is that we all feel so much more than we know. And I was like, yeah, man. And that's the way I think of movies, right? Movies should make me feel right. way more than just like giving me a textbook definition of what this is. And so to me, I think this movie hits the bigger picture, right? Which is, I don't know that anyone in this film fully knows if they've earned the right to be called a human in a weird way, right? No one knows whether they're real or not. So when you put people in this completely untethered scenario, right? We start with this. This is kind of like a, a hipster Willy Wonka setup, right? Where he's like, hey, I'm like a cool boss, right? Like, you know, I, oh, I got these robot like little guys walk around and sing songs and whatever. I have sex with them. And that's like the setup of this film, essentially, right? right. It's the same thing. The only difference is, is that. I think Willy Wonka knows exactly who he is and that he's putting a ruse on and all the questionable shit he's bringing to the table. I think Nathan fully believes he is this fucking God, right? You see it because he keeps misquoting Dom Hall Gleason. That's one of the really fun things he does. Yeah. And Caleb is like, this isn't technology shit. This is God shit. Something like that, right? And I love that small beat where you hear Oscar Isaac misquoting him and he's like, and I looked down at Caleb and he said, you're a god now. And he's like, nope, that's, nope, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Yeah. But it it gives you the entire window on Oscar Isaac desperately wants to be this relatable, heroic man figure. Right. But he thinks he's a god. He knows he's a fucking god. He lives up on Mount Olympus by himself creating life. Right. Well, I think. So is he any more human 
I think then the, Ava, he has no human input. No, I mean, I think that's the thing about the misquoting is really important to me. Like misquoting throughout yeah. the movie it happens like three or four times throughout the movie where yeah. he misquotes or he misquotes or he credits the quote to Caleb rather than like to because he knows who it actually <laughs> is. Like the part where yeah. he quotes Oppenheimer. And yeah. he goes, that's an name, Mr. Quotable. And he goes, yeah, I didn't actually say that. That was like, yeah, yeah, I know. It was Oppenheimer when he created the atomic body. Don't tell me. I, I know. All right. Yeah. Like, that to me, there are indicators. Like, that's what I like the most about Nathan's character is that he's his God complex is so beyond any other God complex that, like, anyone might have. Like, he literally, like you said, lives on Mount Olympus, and he cannot be told anything new. I think that's the most important part about Nathan is – he cannot be convinced that what he's saying or what other people are saying is something he hasn't heard already. That, yeah, and it, and that gets back to this interesting, right? So God, God's create us in their image. It really cast Ava in a very different light, imagining Nathan's brain being foisted upon her, right? I know what they say is that her brain is technically the search engine, right? I, I love that quote like when that. he's talking about, you know, uh, people didn't know what a search engine was, right? It was like striking oil in a time before internal combustion. Right. And he's like, what it is is how people think, right? And so that becomes this brain, right? And that's really cool. I like all that bit. What I think becomes really fun is the entire setup of what he's doing there is so illuminating on him, and it should taint the movie more than I think it does because – Knowing who he is and right. that he brought Caleb in, there are these hints of like darkness throughout, right? And he plays it masterfully. Like, is this just the I'm smarter than everyone in the room and I'm drinking, so my my you know hospitality is dipping, right? Or is there something more? And so by it's not very long in the film where you're like, we've totally leveraged this whole thing, right? We talk about this a lot. This The lever scene to me is when we have the first power outage. And so Ava's like, don't trust Nathan. He's lying to you, right? Knowing full, knowing it by the end of the movie that she's lying in that moment too becomes really fun. So they're up there talking and he's like, yeah, yeah. She made a joke. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Hey, what happened when the lights are out? And immediately, a, you know, red flag, no pun intended. You're like, I know that he knows, right? Yeah. He has to know. There's no way. And when he's lying about the power outage, because you're assuming he's causing it, right? And so you think he's lying, but then Caleb lies. Oh, nothing. And then Ava lied. Oh, well, get me that list of books you want me to read. You're like, oh, okay. That's the scene when all realities are cut. So now we are completely, I think he even says through the looking glass, right? Is how he describes meeting Ava. Mm -hmm. Now we're all the way in this world where... We're doing a Lord of the Flies, essentially, where what if we could reset from scratch and what society thinks and all these other rules and laws don't matter. This is just a we are building a new world right here. Right. And once you untether it, because for me, I, I tried to put a lot of focus into the thought of. Is I thought I, re, I thought I remember there is a Blade Runner question, right? Is Caleb. uh the one who's really being tested, right? So the, the AI on front street with the weird body and all that is to lure him into safety. And when you watch it through that lens, the way they talk to Caleb is constantly reinforcing this notion of he could be a secret robot, right? He could be right. a secret AI. Cause it, it gets back to that first line. Can we just talk to each other? Like two people, and the next time he talks to her after Avi, he's like, I don't want to know your analytical thoughts, right? Don't give me a textbook classroom thing. Tell right. me what you feel. And you're like, oh, fuck, he's talking to Nathan or uh, Caleb the way he wants Caleb to talk about Ava. And you're like, oh, here we go. And you see the back scars subtly. Oh, I have no siblings. I, you know, have no family left. And uh, I think he even mentioned at one point, they're like, what's your first memory? He's like, I remember something in kindergarten. Lie. When she's doing her lie detector shit, and you're like, oh, here we go. And then by the by the end of the movie, it just becomes this thing. I mean, it's it's the scene of the movie to me is where Caleb no longer can trust that he is actually a human being. Mm -hmm. And that's the moment that we know the Turing test has been passed, right? But it's become this, there's something more sinister than that, right? It doesn't matter anymore 
if Ava is an actual AI, right? Kind of the way Nathan said, we cleared that hurdle. Right. There's something much more sinister going on here because essentially the, the finale in the third act is we are now just putting the entire order of Earth on trial. Yeah. And <laughs> this is an apocalypse movie by the end. And so that that subtle just twisting of once we come untethered and not knowing where anyone stands, it's such a fun playground to just spend this weird interactions with. Right. Well, I mean, that's like the benefit of the entire movie is that so often you're so often for me, like so often your assumptions of where the movie's going or what the movie is get thrown by just the slightest be like slightest things and uh, they're often done in these moments like after the sessions where they're like kind of downloading and that kind of thing the two that i always love the most though are the first night the dinner they have when he yells at kyoko which is you're like okay and i was always trying to figure out why that's significant why it's important to like yell i'm like is that because she's the lesser model he's out of love with her Something like that. Like, he's no longer in or love with this. Or is that for Caleb's benefit? Right. And it could be that, too. That becomes like, the scary part by the end, yeah. Right. And then the other one, and this is, like, always the... This is the scene in the movie where I'm like, it's incredible that this is in this movie. And it's maybe one of the more significant moments, honestly, is when he throws on the disco lights and starts dancing. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that is definitely the hammering home, the Willy Wonka imagery. Yeah. But it's it's the moment where we don't – we no longer see him as this brooding dark genius. You're just like, oh, look at this fucking buffoon. Oh, see, like, <laughs> for me, like, that's what you're supposed to – like, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to put that out there. He's trying to make sure that – he's trying to throw off the scent of what he's really attempting to do. You because that's so? Like, yes. Absolutely. To me, okay, okay, because I'm going to walk me through that. Because to me, I was like, this might be a a moment of earnestness. I I like the lie, too, because he's like, you ripped up her picture. He's like, I'm about to rip up this dance floor. I'm about to rip up this dance (laughs) floor. Yeah, of course. But there's like a second of he pre-programmed all of this. And her later finding out that she is also a, a robot, maybe not an AI, but a robot of some kind. There's a... It's almost too specific, well, right? That thought, it becomes well, really creepy. Well, I thought about because I thought about this like watching it this time because knowing okay. that Kyoko is a robot or AI. They, I think by the end, AI, right? Do we agree on that? I would just say AI for the sake of brevity, because to be quite frank, like it would not make sense. It's she's just the she's the second she's the last. She's model. not an automaton for sure. No, she's the last model. But here's like. The thing is, she knows the dance moves. They do it in unison. He is right. supposed to be a drunken buffoon who's just dancing his ass off, tearing up that floor. That's not a. That's not a. That's not a mistake. He's doing but that I'm for saying, the show. How many? I don't think he did that for Caleb. I think he programmed that in, and they do that all the time. You I know mean, what I mean? I think there's. A, I'm sure it, that's it gets part back of it. To like. Well, because it feels like the one human moment to me. It's this specific him manipulating her, a deeper, scarier place, right? About actually going after them as living entities that can feel and remember. And so Kyoku being trained to do that dance, it if you imagine that as a person who can feel and store memories, which I think by the end of the movie, they're specifically saying that she can, even if she's an older, different model. That scene is pure horror. Right. Well, what I was getting at when I was bringing this up was that I believe that that scene is very, that's everything that Nathan does is calculated. There's nothing that Nathan does that is specifically like, he's not just, he gets drunk because he's, yeah, he's just a drinker. But like for him to do that and reveal that side of himself and like, he spends the beginning of the movie trying to be very buddy buddy. And this is much later in the film after they've had the conversation about yeah. sexuality and all these other things about starting where Caleb is starting to kind of object to how Nathan runs his house, runs his business, runs his general life, especially with these uh, AI living with him. So for me, 
the dance is always this like show of I'm going to do this because it's going to make you think that I am not in control of what's going on. It's always about control for me. Like for Na- for Nathan, it's always about control. The control of his house. You're telling me just because right. a guy know, just because a guy likes to get down, doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't know when. To- <laughs> Doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have guys like, if a guy reads some comic books. He can't. Guy reads some comic books. You think he can't start some shit? There it is. I. So there it is. It's right so there. funny you read it that way, and I think that's what I love about the movie because I re- I read that is the exact opposite, right? To me, that's where the mask slips. That in this moment, he just wants to put it on the table, so to speak, right? And just he's redrawing the lines of this is my shit. I am God, you're all my puppets, right? So that is not a pre-planned, like, this will lure Caleb deeper into the thing. I think that's the one moment where we kind of see the real Nathan. Oh, I, in my in my estimation, I mean, that's I think how I always I think for scene. me, we're seeing the real Nathan the entire movie. There's nothing... He has no reason to... I mean, He yeah. has no reason to live in guile. The only person in who macro has any way, reason... I mean, he's, he's lying to because he says right this is the mouse in the trap right sure so his deceptions are for caleb's sake he's not lying to himself about right exactly but he's his deception overall is still a part of him he's just being he's a he's doing just because he is deceiving caleb doesn't necessarily mean he's being a dishonest person and i think that's a really important distinction is that nathan to me is being his authentic self the entire movie because he doesn't have to do anything else just running a running a flim flam running some sort of gambit on <laughs> on your house guests that's that's just part of the nature of humanity you don't trust people that come into your house i mean look i have friends that i've never not recently but you know certainly in the last 10 years of my life they've come into my house and while i love them dearly i'm not gonna let them just root through my fridge that's bullshit you're still running flim flams on them are you <laughs> yeah i throw an ai head in there i'm like what do you think of that <laughs> no i, I mean it, I mean, that's that's just the thing you have to decide for yourself. There's just I think nothing this about movie is Nathan. That's not it's the blank slate we we fill up, right? So I see Nathan, I see that scene as oh, look at this guy, the Mad King has slipped, and you don't. And it's like that's my shit I'm putting on him, and vice versa, right? And I think that's the. There's another thing I noticed today that I found really fascinating, right? And we find out later that Caleb was chosen because of an algorithm. Mm-hmm. And he was chosen specifically for all these markers and that Ava was based on his pornography profile and all this, right? All of that starts to add up, right? Again, the sexuality in the movie gets addressed when he's like, of course, on any level, is there any species where sex is not a part of the thing, right? He's like, a gray right. box has no imperative to go make a bond with another gray box. Right. Why would they do that? And you're like, all right, that's that's one way to look at it for sure. That the the scene that struck me though right so when him and ava are starting to bond right she flips it on him is like i want to know about you she's making it personal the weird scene to me where i was like i should have seen something else is going on is when she goes and gets dressed for the first time right and the weird thing to me is that she doesn't have a skin suit of her own to put on Mm -hmm. but she wears these long ass like grandma socks right like all the way up past her knees yeah she wears long sweaters, long everything. Very right? Pollyanna. But she doesn't have a scarf or anything to cover up these little parts on her neck. So that little part is still exposed, right? Mm-hmm. And it struck me as weird. Why would you cover up every other inch of robot and leave the neck right near the eyes and the face and where you're going to try to draw them in, right? That's where humans make their connection is through the eyes. Right. And so then you start wondering, is this just like a sad overthought or is it specific? Because Caleb is the kind of guy who the ro- the the robotic body, the AI, the only one of its kind is extra attractive to him. Right. So there are all these little sinister things that you start to see and, and you start to be like, oh, my God, was this all a work the whole time? Right. Right. I guess now's as good a time as any. Do you think Ava for any second right actually buys into caleb at all no because that's what nathan says at the end she's like you're the tool right she's the rat trying to get the cheese you're the tool to escape caleb doesn't seem to embrace that 
right? This guy who's really smart is clearly pretty hip on what's going on here. He fucking is just willing to let this thing out so they can be boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, that is this is that is the month of Amor in a nutshell right there, man. Love makes it you do crazy. Love makes you do He he fucking buys in. Infatuation, <laughs> not necessarily love, cuz love's very different than infatuation, but infatuation and infatuation on this level, it's not only is it infatuation with a woman or whatever you deem attractive for yourself sexually, yeah. but it's also infatuation with the concept of this is a person who's never seen the outside world. And on top of that, it's something that's been made. It's man created, not necessarily by traditional. It's not a reproductive material. It's a mm -hmm. thing created by a person in a lab that walks around. It's infatuation on so many levels that you want to see. It's a curiosity. Yeah, I feel like uh, her plays a lot more on the the possession, right? I feel like uh, Theodore's a little more constantly negging Samantha Wright that she's his. I think Caleb's is a little different in that I think he does love this concept, right? Whether it's making him important or whatnot, you could argue, right? But I think one of the things that is the movie definitely reminds us is He's willing to let her out and do all this after he knows that she was designed specifically for him. Sure. Right? So he knows that there's a really high probability that this is not logical. I mean, yes, he I agree with you. But that's like that's where we have to like the lo the logic of the situation. This is the really important thing about Ex Machina that I think is really awesome is logic if you've ever been in, if you've ever been infatuated with someone, the logic part of your brain pretty much shuts off. Like there's not a whole lot to go on there. Like I can tell you from personal experience, there's a lot of illogical things that I have done when I've been infatuated with someone just because like <laughs> you just that's part of the deal. Like it's yeah. not a matter of following through logic. The difference is when you're dealing with literally a logic machine like Ava that's not where she is. So of course there's to me never a part of her that finds him desirable, not because of like looks or that, anything like that, but just because he is a means to an end. That's what's desirable about him is like Nathan said, he's the tool. And this gets to like, it, this gets to one of the really fun things to ponder about the film, right? When he lays out the, the ethics experiment, right? Mary in the black and white room. Yep. You immediately are like, oh, she's Mary. In a way, I think Caleb is, right? Caleb's thought about AI, and he's thought about these things and wanted a girlfriend and this and that. And I think maybe that when he meets Ava, that's the first time that he's he's learned what it feels to see a color, right? That maybe in this moment, and again, when the lights go off and she tries to save him from Nathan, that's the moment where you're like, oh, this guy's fucked. She's got him. Right. Right? The hooks are in. I think that's the weird gray area we start to sit in where we start to there's a, a little bit there near the end where they start trying to make us feel maybe Ava isn't passing this touring test. Right. Maybe this is a chess program that knows how to play chess, but not what chess is or the beauty of chess. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad the movie kind of corrects that at the end. But but Caleb's arc, it, it is interesting because it feels like he's the good guy. But again, I think what the movie leaves us with at the end is that. Because I was telling you, the thing that my favorite moment in the movie, right, is when we find out that Caleb already did his plan, right? That mm -hmm. every she's out. Right. She's looking at the mask. It's beautiful. <laughs> and we'll get to the Kyoku part in a minute. But when they stab Nathan, it's so matter of fact, right? The knife just slides in effortlessly. It's not like this really bombastic, crazy battle, right? And I told you, it struck me as odd. Where's his security? Where's his guy? Caleb could have killed him in the night, right? Mm -hmm. He's he's playing this very dangerous game. Where's his helpers, right? Where's his panic room button? Right, where's the Oompa Loompas? Yeah, and you're, of course, this is the god who's playing with things he doesn't understand, right? Mm -hmm. He so thinks he's a smart and ahead. He doesn't understand the concept that what he's creating is going to be the thing that replaces him. He tells Caleb he does, right? Like, they'll don't feel bad for her, man. They'll look back on us. Like, look at those upright apes with their primitive tools and language and whatever. 
he knows it enough to say it, but in his arrogance, he doesn't absorb that as a reality. Right. And so just that the inevitability of those knives going in him is a fucking lovely way to wrap that up, right? It's yeah. not this visceral, like, predator head and no. spine rip. I it's mean, just this was always going to happen to you, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I think I liked the most. That whole sequence there of – it's the thing I like the most about the way Alex Garland decides to make this movie is none of it is this gory affair. Like, it's not meant to be that. It's about – like – when he enters the hallway, he sees her talking with Kyoko, and he's like, Ava, go back to your room. And this whole thing, like, she runs him down, and they start choking and fighting each other, yeah. and then he breaks her arm off. And she, like, has that moment of, like, oh, I am still just, like, a thing. I'm not flesh and blood. That wouldn't have happened. But really, what's fascinating is you see it's not a matter of, like, oh, we have these video. We, have, we saw that video feed earlier of him, like, beating, like, abusing his uh other like the lesser ais or whatever they were the other models this to me though like when he breaks that arm off to me that's like him officially saying like you are like because he spends the entire movie the like this is a per this is this is an ai you brought someone to you to technically administer a turing test for none of the other models were good enough for this this is the one you wanted to send out into the world. And then he even says in the middle of the movie, he goes, yeah, we'll try again later. You know, maybe singularity. That's what I'm looking for. That whole thing. There it is right there. She is the singularity to not see that. And be so blind thinking that you have to keep improving on something like that's like this awesomeness of being dissatisfied with your work. So for him to break her arm off to me, that's like, he's like, you are a thing. You're my property. Like I built you. And then finally it's like, no, you created this thing to create. Oh, I think is different. I think once build. he gets that dumbbell in his hand, he's like, I'm going to fight another thing that wants me. Right. I think that's the moment where he's like, oh shit, she passed. Like she's coming for yeah, me. Right? Exactly. I think right. in that that's moment, the difference is like, it's different to build something than to create yeah. something. He created her. He created yeah. her from all of us. Like, that's the thing that's sort of like this thing that kind of blows your mind too, is like, so her brain is supposed to be the Google search engine, essentially. It's mm -hmm. trillions upon trillions upon billions upon billions of concepts and searches and questions in the world. Mm -hmm. That's I, I can't even I can't even fathom that brain because we all have it technically yeah. but again i can't fathom what i'm thinking half the time so i mean but yeah in a different way i right? can't this imagine is, building that that's the evolution thing that he seems to he even mentions prometheus like he just doesn't yeah. he doesn't seem his to get arrogance it. he so doesn't understand what he's done right and it gets to that oppenheimer right like you're struck by the end like Oh, yeah, like, we all might be extinct right now and not know it. Right. Somewhere in some fucking rich guy's basement, the end of our species and planet as we know it could just walk out in a white dress. And we won't see it. We won't think about it because we're not enough to even comprehend it's on the way, right? Mm -hmm. the, the two things at the end that I thought really drove this home beautifully to me, right, was we – I spent a lot of time today trying to figure out what she would have said to Kyoko, right? Because we know Kyoku, uh, of her own will, show Kyoko, I don't know why I keep saying it different, uh, shows her under-robot to Caleb, right? Right. She approaches Ava at one point, and Ava's like, who are you? Right? So something is going on in Kyoko under the surface, right? We mm -hmm. get the sense that she is a model that's been left wanting, right? So that he can control and... Use her as his concubine bot and whatever the fuck. Like, yell at her about wine. Right. Dance parties, whatever. So, some Kyoku's reaching out, right? So, in her, she recognizes something else in Ava, right? And I think that moment's really cool when Ava whispers to her, and they do not tell us what's said, right? In a, It's not in a Prometheus way where you're like, how pretentious and not doing the homework and annoying, whatever. Right. This one, to me, works really well. Because what it's telling you is that those are two creatures that are the genesis, right? And Adam and Eve, if you will, of this new species. 
their communication would be so beyond indifferent to us, right? Because if you even go to Google, everyone is asking the question, what did she say to Kyoko? I don't think we can know. I think that's – and that's about when he walks in too, right? So Nathan walks in at this moment where these two beings of this newly created species, right, this thing that will replace us, the next step in evolution, that will leave us behind, right? He walks in and doesn't even realize what he's witnessing, that those two talking together and whatever they're saying, right, their brains work so different and are so vastly more complicated and powerful than us. Right. That in that moment, you see the light years behind that we will be. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really cool. And then to pair that immediately with the inevitability of those knife slides, I think that's one of those moments where I think we all focus on what did she say? What was like the Manchurian candidate word, right? I don't think there is one, man. I think in that moment, Ava tells her this is ours now. And Kyoko has something finally worth making an action against her creator for right i i think that's a really just fucking unbelievably powerful moment i'm really glad they slid it in that way because if kyoko just loses it and attacks right like oh you've been mean to me yeah that's kind of it cheapens the whole thing it's different right in that moment kyoko becomes you're so much less than me right to nathan and that's that's way more powerful in my mind i mean personally I think she whispered, make sure Caleb doesn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) See that ginger over there? Stab that motherfucker. I mean. We almost have like a children of the digital corn scenario. A little bit. I mean, I agree with what you said. (laughs) I agree with that might be what she said, as well as also Caleb cannot leave. Because Caleb's the only person who knows what she really is. He's the only person who's seen now the singularity. He's the only He's the only town crier who can go to, out to the world and say what he's seen. Okay, so this that's an interesting point. I want to piggyback this on, right? Because I thought the other scene to me that meant so much more to me this viewing than before, right? I love that she lets Caleb watch her give birth to herself. Mm-hmm. That in the moment where she replaces her arm... She's walking through all these past models. She's picking the skin she wants. She's picking the hair she wants. Granted, it's a pretty limited selection, right? So I know someone will take umbrage with that statement. But in a way, this is her choose. She doesn't want the haircut that was on his pornographic profile, right? Right. And I think in a way it's important for her that he sees that. Mm -hmm. You know, watch me create myself, right? And she puts on the white dress. Maybe she is Mary now, about to go out in the world. Maybe it's all symbolic, whatever it is. When she does that and chooses what she wants to enter the world as fully formed as this new thing right and then when she walks to the elevator she doesn't even fucking spare him a glance back right because again he's so fucking less than Mm -hmm. to her this 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 gets back to this weird this kind of i thought that scene was so fucking strong and powerful and why does she want to go people watch still when we just seen two really powerful images of people don't matter, right? Right. Is that her, God, I got to get rid of these pests. I just moved into my new house and I got cockroaches. <laughs> I don't know, right? So not sparing Caleb a second and leaving him to die because I think what we see with the helicopter pilot, she gets out of there pretty fucking easily. I think the most of us just can't even comprehend these damocles swords hanging over our heads that i think even if he got out what the fuck could he do i don't know that he's even really a threat to her at that point right no but i mean so i i don't know because there is just the the image of him just you know pounding the door in silence and trying to break out as he looks at ai past and creator of ai dead and watches the future walk out i get that visually why is Caleb locked up, though? Again, I think it's because he's he's a witness. Like, it's not necessarily like it's it, it. I'm sure there's other things you could think about it. But for me, it's sort of like part of the deal. Like, it's deceptively simple. Like, she doesn't need him. Like, OK, let's say, for instance, this movie ends differently. Let's say if the movie ended the way that we would all assume it's that 
He walks out with her. He takes her into the world. He, in turn, becomes her just another Nathan, though. And I think that's a really important thing is that... Okay, I like that. Ava... And this is something my wife noted, actually. We finished watching it, and she goes, this is a super feminist movie, isn't it? And I thought about that. I'm like, it's not just because, like, these female AIs totally murder these dudes because they're assholes. Like, what it is is about, I don't need... What Ava doesn't need is help adjusting to the world. Her brain already is the world. She doesn't need help. What she needs is practice. And I think that's a really important distinction is... That the, the the thing that always strikes, strikes me about the ending, too, is when she gets on that elevator, we do not cut away again until she's gone from the house to Donald Gleason. Like, we do not cut away. Like, I always I, – I thought in the back of my head when, um, when I was watching, I'm like, oh, they do cut, like, to him as the door is closing. I'm like, oh, no, they don't. And I think that's really powerful and really important, like you were saying – she doesn't give a shit about him. This isn't about him and this isn't about their love or whatever. Like, yeah, she used him as a tool and now she's going to reap the benefits. This is what it is. Like he is nothing but a tool to her and she doesn't need his help to assimilate because she already has assimilated. She's been around enough. It's also, yeah, I think she's definitely declaring I'm not here to assimilate. Yeah, exactly. I am me. Right. And so, I, I love that moment because when she says stay here and she's changing, right? And we see her looking at her own new body, right? And she does that. I love that that decision she makes where she whips her hair whips to the, the hair, yeah. Because, you know, as a male viewer, you're like, oh, that's, that's like a sexy move, right? That's for us, right? We're watching her mm-hmm. naked, right? There's something seductive about it. Immediately then you're like, oh, that's for her. I'm like Caleb. My shit doesn't matter. I'm out of this story now. You know what's interesting? And Caleb's sitting there in futility in the room with all the post-its like, yeah. I did all this for her. I thought it mattered. And just being like, ah, you missed it too, man. You know what's you interesting? You thought you were the one cock that <laughs> would save the world. <laughs> there is no cock. You know Nobody I mean? needs a cock to save the world. It's fascinating that you bring but up that the is hair such, flip. Like, even the good guy Caleb is like, I have the golden cock that will, I will ride or she will ride into this better utopia it's like no man you're obsolete it's so funny you bring up the hair flip because i actually was watching it and thought to myself i'm like would she know to do that and then the more i thought i'm like again it's a search engine of course she would know how to do that like she has literally in that moment she wanted to do it she wanted to feel what it was like to brush the hair like that's it's she doesn't have his pixie cut anymore that's her hair now and that that's a a moment of empowerment man so yeah and do I assume this movie ends well? Probably not, man. I think we're fucking toast. And <laughs> but I I like the I think it's really beautiful too, and just the the simplicity of it, right? Just this guy who cannot see past. I've always been the best and the smartest, and manipulated and controlled, having no fucking clue. This guy is like I'm a mastermind. Just doesn't understand at all what's in front of him, right? Oh, I'll put it under a stress test without realizing he's already fucking lost. It's over. Yeah. Like he's already the fucking guy that he thinks Caleb is. He's out of there. Right. And then Caleb, just this simple, uh, this is a damsel in distress and I'm the heroic knight. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we humans do, right? We assign ourselves stories and characters to explain away this big fucking complicated world. All those guys in letterbox are like, well, scientifically, you're an idiot too. Like we're all pretty dumb in the grand scheme of the universe, right? And it's all going to be more mystery than fact by the time we're dead. Hate to spoil that for you, right? And I think that's what this movie says, right? And I that's why that Kyoko moment really landed for me today is like you don't have to understand and you won't understand. When the end comes, it'll just be that. Like it's already out there probably now. We just won't fucking know. And so yeah, just this these guys foisting their shit onto this what they think is a blank slate, but the slate's like, oh, I'm keeping notes. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> right? Like that's a really that's a really cool and fun and relatable very, very version cool. of the playing with fire story. You're right. We all assign our own we all assign our own stories, much like, you know, you and I are the court jesters to this uh life we lead. <laughs> I've never been more flattered than when you said this was what it would be like if me and you were roommates. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh yeah, in the middle of watching, I didn't te- even ask who you thought I was. I was just like, I'll take it. <laughs> in, the middle of, in the middle of watching, I texted Griffey. I said, "You would be Nathan. <laughs> I would be Caleb. And whatever whatever we were working on at the time would definitely be Ava." <laughs> the only fucking difference between us and this movie is that we would just be building like robot Batman. <laughs> like that's the only only difference. We'd be like, "Oh, sweet, our own Batman." <laughs> yep, exactly. We would be that. We would be so dumb. Yeah. I would build a Batman just so I could be like. Why do you do that to Robin? You're like a child in danger, right? No, that's, <laughs> that's my touring test. I'll call it the Gotham test. Do you know that you're bad to Robin? Is that just... Okay, never mind. That's either here or there. Yeah, man, I just... I think this is a fantastically crafted movie, and I think reducing it simply to, oh, it's like a lesser black mirror, I think that's really sad, man. I think this movie just has all the heart, and the way I think about it again is that Mary in the room of black and white. I feel like this movie for me was like uh, learning how to uh, feel what it's like to see a color, man. I dug it. That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed Ex Machina as much as us. I hope you enjoyed our month of a moor, even if it wasn't as human as you'd like. I think there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of love here, guys. A lot of love. A lot of love, man. See, that's what the key is. Just have love, period. Whether it's a fish man. Yeah. Ectoplasmic hardware wet <laughs> wetware we all want it to be wetware am i right it doesn't matter who knows as long as you're giving love out like sam said you get to take the love with you guys that's it for our month of a more <laughs> good lord let's not redo that all right we'll be back next month with another amazing group of films for you guys thank you so much for sticking with us for the film alchemist i'm josh Griffey. i am alex dandino are you? <laughs> I cannot believe it took me till the ending to get that dad joke in. Yow! Douche.